New Testament ministry qualifications. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good Thursday morning, my friends. We are moving on in our study of 1 Timothy. Today we're going to be starting chapter 3, looking at verses 1 through 7. In this section, Paul begins to lay out the ministry qualifications for elders and deacons, um, and then finishes off the chapter with a discussion about the mystery of godliness. Um, But today we're going to be looking primarily at those ministry qualifications for uh, people who sense a calling to be an elder in the church. Usually that's a senior pastor or a Uh, some kind of significant uh, leadership role within a local body of believers, Um, one who teaches, one who organizes the the congregation for ministry. And these are Paul's uh, first century New Testament qualifications for those who would um, aspire to that office. And these are very good things, and these are necessary things uh, in the life of one who would lead in this way. So as we prepare to move into the text, let's go before the Father. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you today realizing that we have clay feet. Um, Lord, um, we are imperfect, we are flawed. None of us is perfectly holy all the time. Only you alone, O God, are holy, perfectly holy holy. Uh, You call us to be holy and your spirit makes us holy by your work, your transforming work within our hearts and lives. Um, Your spirit alive in us uh, transforms us from uh, who we were in our flesh to who we are and who we can become in the spirit. And so, Lord God, as Paul said in Philippians 1.6, may you continue to do the good work you started in us and take it on to completion. Um, Lord, many who have aspired to the office of pastor or elder have failed and fallen. And so, Lord God, your grace and mercy covers them when they do. And you're forgiving and you're a God of restoration and hope and redemption. And we give you thanks. Uh, Father, we come into this passage humbly realizing that apart from your Spirit's work, um, none of us uh, would have the opportunity to serve in this way because none of us could live up to these qualifications. So, Father, speak through your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Paul writes, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. 
Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. These are really, really good things to consider. And I like what Paul says at the outset, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Um, If someone's feeling the um, tap of God's hand on their shoulder in this way, uh, they're sensing they might be called, they're sensing they might be uh, cut out for this work, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, they're sensing that God may be nudging them toward this calling, then Paul says they desire a noble task. This is a good and this is good and noble work. Um, And so Paul begins to paint a picture starting in verse 2 of what a person taking on this calling of overseer must uh, possess by way of character uh, and integrity. And he says, first, they must be above reproach. In other words, there should be no overt or hidden thing in their life that someone could point to that would disqualify them from uh, answering the call. They must be the husband of one wife. So there was in the first century the assumption that overseers in every instance would be male leaders, not female leaders. They must be faithful to their vows and commitments to their spouse. Sober-minded, that means that they're clear-headed, thoughtful, uh, open to considering uh, all options as presented, uh, not rash in their decision-making, not one who's inclined to make quick, impulsive decisions, self-controlled, that they exercise their use of freedom uh, in a way that's honorable and good, respectable, uh, others come alongside of their leadership and respect them um, for their views and for their stances and their willingness to lead, Um, hospitable, they're open to caring for others' needs, Uh, they're quick to recognize when there is a need, and quick to uh, rally support, and open to being, um, sacrificing their own comfort and convenience to care for the needs of others. Able to teach, Uh, they evidence gifts of teaching, um, the ability to navigate the Word of God and to um, exposit the Word of God and to bring insight to the word uh, for others who are listening. Not a drunkard. I think that falls under the self-control category. Um, Whether they drink wine or not, they are in control and do so in moderation. Not violent, but gentle. Uh, That they exhibit a gentle spirit. Uh, Not angry and violent. Not quarrelsome. Not given to arguing with people not a lover of money. They have dispensed with the desire to pursue worldly wealth. Um, In verse 4, Paul continues, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Um, And Paul says this is a reflection on how well they'll do at managing the life of the church, the affairs of the church. If one's own household is chaotic, And if one's own household is not a place of peace, 
then the way that that person will manage the affairs of the church will be similar. It will be chaotic and lacking peace. Uh, We want our homes to be places of peace for the people who are in them. And that's why we give our children boundaries and rules and expectations. Uh, They must live within certain rules and expectations within the home uh, so as to collaborate with the spirit that we're trying to create and the spirit that we want present in our home. And uh, managing the home well is a is an aspect of one's leadership and uh, certainly would have bearing on how one would lead in the church. Um, In verse 6, Paul says, This person must not be a recent convert, otherwise they're susceptible to pride. And I think that is so very true. I think young Christian leaders especially are susceptible to the pride of the office, susceptible to the accolades to the um, uh, attention that this office will often get uh, as a, an office of leadership. And um, many have fallen because of a puffed up uh, pride and conceit and fallen into the condemnation of the devil. And that's my story too. Um, I'm no longer leading in the church in this way because of my own uh, failings and uh, my own pride and sinful shortcomings getting in the way of my um, carrying out this calling uh, with the proper um, integrity and character. God is a God of redemption and healing and grace and mercy, and I've experienced that. And God has uh, restored uh, my life and repaired much of the damage, but it's uh it's a high calling and when you fall short uh you should be removed uh from that position moreover he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil uh, how the community around you views you as an overseer as an elder as a leader in the church is is significant um there's an authenticity that is communicated uh, as we're leading and, and as we're involved in the community that must be present. Uh, if others are not uh, thinking well of us, then there must be a reason for that. This is a high calling. These are impossible qualities apart from the Spirit of God at work um, in us, um, making us more like Jesus cultivating within us godly character and um, bringing uh, us to a place of submission to the will of God. Uh, No leader can exhibit these qualities or lead in this way apart from God's Spirit at work. And so if a person exhibits these things, we can by association assume that this is the result of spiritual fruit of the work of the Spirit in that person's life unless they show us otherwise. All right, my friends, good stuff. Um, I don't know if uh, you know your pastor that well, but my guess is that you would see um, if he's truly called and uh, truly surrendered, you would see these qualities exhibited uh, in his church and personal life. And um, if many of these things are missing, 
I pray for him that the Spirit would go to work uh, and bring about uh, the proper character and qualities needed for this very high and noble calling. All right, my friends, God bless you. Thanks for taking time out of your day to study, and I pray that these words would continue to resonate in your hearts as you consider them today. God bless.